Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Nuck If You Buck. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Blazing the Path, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, The Hoop Heads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nuck If You Buck. Hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoopheads, as always. Today I'm coming at you solo, but we have a few games all against uh, formidable opponents to cover. The first of which was our fortunately sole victory of the week against the Nuggets in the Mile High City in Denver. Uh, the Bucks took it home 125 to 112, which is uh, especially great considering. The Nuggets have won nine of the last ten contests against the Bucks. The last victory of which actually was in November of 2015, where uh, Greg Monroe put up uh, a game high 18 points for the Milwaukee Bucks in a 92 to 74 victory. Uh, at that point, I was still living in my freshman dorms and. Look at me now with a podcast and a uh, grown man. So <laughs> just to show you what the passage of time uh, has looked like <laughs> since our last victory against the Nuggets. Um, but possibly even more noteworthy here is that Drew Holiday has been out all week starting with this first game of the week due to health and safety protocols. I personally haven't seen any confirmation as to whether or not he actually has covid but um i could see why someone would some would speculate that if they so choose to because i believe the nba came out with a report that uh they did have one individual test positive for covid19 not re revealing whether or not it's drew but also um consistent with the reporting lately if it were solely contract contact tracing um it seems that that the NBA would have come out and said so, um, you know, maybe, you know, the thought there is that if it's contract contact tracing, maybe Drew doesn't actually have it, but someone close to him did. So the NBA is playing it safe. But um, I believe the, the lack of news could be bad news in this case, but it's probably enough speculation there. Starting in his stead was Bryn Forbes, who uh, proved to be um, fitting in quite well with our starters there. I know uh, Jared and Mike at the, um, shoot, I'm blanking, the Pick and Roll podcast. They've been campaigning for Bryn to start for a while <laughs> for the Bucks. I don't know if, if, if I would agree with that, taking Dante out. I think Dante is definitely a lot more, more dynamic of a player, and he's certainly, I would say, uh, easily our fifth best player, so... Uh, for Brent to start, other than receiving a Keith Bogans there, 
Um, I wouldn't be campaigning for that, but I am happy to see Bryn fitting in quite well, especially in this game. The Nuggets starters were uh, Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic. Uh, Nothing standing out there, except perhaps, I guess maybe uh, Gary Harris would be starting normally, but he must have been on the injury report as I didn't see him at all in this game. Looking at that lineup, you see that that there really isn't anyone to hide Bryn Forbes on there, but uh, that's okay. Bryn Forbes did did uh, certainly contribute in this one. Uh, both teams started out four of eight from three and uh, had a had to call a timeout to slow slow the opposition down all before uh, halfway through the first quarter. Uh, DJ Augustine and uh, Bobby Portis were the first to arrive off the bench for. Bryn and Chris at about five minutes in the first quarter. So left the starters in a little bit longer than usual Bud did just to, um, you know, keep up with the early competition. And then after the first quarter, the Bucks were 17 to 17, whereas the Nuggets were eight of 12 from the three point line. That was the most threes that the Bucks had allowed, have allowed in a quarter all season. Starting the second quarter, um, Bucks would roll out uh, DJ Augustine, Bryn Forbes, Chris Middleton, Torrey Craig, Bobby Portis, whereas the Nuggets had Monte Morris, RJ Hampton, Will Barton, uh, Victor, uh, and Kancar, Kansar. I apologize if I'm saying that correctly. It's C-A-N-C-A-R. And then Jamichael Green. Uh, RJ Hampton, I'll just remind you all, seemed uh, quite a, quite upset on draft day with wearing the Bucks hat. Drew and I speculated on that around the around the draft podcast as to was it really frustration about being drafted to the Bucks or was it more about movement around that time? I'm not sure. Still somewhat baffling to me how someone would be so upset about being drafted at all during the first round, especially when that's about where where RJ was projected. But he's definitely shown flashes this week to be uh the guy that I was intrigued on when when we still had our first round pick at that slot. Uh, by halftime of this game, Will Barton had 20, uh, 20 points at halftime, which is the most he's had in half. The next most was uh, actually uh, was actually the last contest against the Bucks um, in uh, January of twenty twenty. So not this past contest, but. Um, this was actually last January um, when Barton had the next most points and a half. That was 18. Um, but it was still a close one here. The Nuggets were up three, uh, 59 to 62 at half. And then the Bucks went on a 15, 15-0 run from the 10-minute to the 7-minute minute mark in the third quarter. The Nuggets would uh, answer with a 7-0 run to bring it back to within one. Something that was really refreshing for me to see. Of course, as as we get to see more time with uh, Torrey Craig on the floor, he was really hounding Jamal Murray all throughout the game, really really making Murray work just to get beyond the, the three-point line. Uh, there, was a, there was a touching moment at the beginning of the game when Torrey Craig was connecting with, uh, with, with Jamal, ironically, before the contest, each with, each with arms around each other. Definitely the wholesome content that we, uh, that we tune into NBA games for. And uh, Craig also did knock down a. I thought I thought I, was, I saw him knock down at least a couple threes in this game, which is uh, definitely encouraging considering what Justin and I talked about on last podcast. Where um, I personally had going into the season expected a little more from Tory Craig on, on the offensive end. I know that's not what we brought him in for, but um, him knocking down a couple couple open threes in this game is definitely what I had. More so imagined for Tory going into the season. Craig did unfortunately eat a very uh, hard pick from Nikola Jokic. The broadcast said that might be the hardest pick Jokic has set all year. And uh, also part of that blame maybe is to go on Giannis there for not calling calling out the pick as it definitely didn't seem that Tory was prepared for that one from Nikola Jokic. But Giannis was behind him right there. Um, regardless, after Barton's hot start there, uh, Chris was really going at him uh, in the fourth quarter. 
And that's something that we always love to see the more um, consistently I watch these Bucks games, obviously, now uh, with the show. Uh, it's refreshing to see um, Chris showing uh, his tenacity and his competitive side and and yeah, just really going after after guys at his at his position and taking his matchups personally, especially with how hot Will Barton was. Um, and then Jamal Murray actually wouldn't score again in the second half until about four and a half minutes in the in the fourth quarter. This would be the same moment in which Brooke Lopez would record his fifth foul, uh, as he was naturally struggling against uh, Nikola Jokic as anyone would. Another highlight here late in the game was when uh, Chris tossed up a lob uh, from beyond the three-point line to Giannis as he recognized that Murray had... um, as he recognized that Murray um, was guarding Giannis in the paint, which is definitely a matchup that Giannis can take advantage of like many others across the league. Uh, It was kind of similar actually to a play where Jamal actually was taking advantage of a matchup where, um, let me see, he was either being defended by DJ Augustine or Bryn Forbes, it would have had to have been, and and uh, one of those two were, were fronting Jamal Murray, as Jamal was doing to Giannis in this situation, so so he just kind of he just kind of extended his arm to, to create space and, and block them from recovering uh, as... Uh, as Murray was fed, fed the ball into the paint for an easy layup at that point. So uh, Chris kind of had the same same idea as the roles reversed here, and Giannis was able to get an easy slam. Um, and then lastly in this game, I just thought it, thought it was funny. As uh, the Bucks were up 10 with less than 45 seconds ago, um, Giannis, Giannis was just in an all-up sprint, in an all-out sprint on a two-on-one fast break with Dante. And... And I just thought that that was a that was a wonderful example of of Giannis's competitive side and him <laughs> ne- never never giving up until the whistle blows. Giannis would finish with thirty points, nine rebounds on eleven and twenty three shooting with three blocks, uh, two of five th- from three, six of eight from the free throw line in thirty four minutes. Chris had twenty nine. Um, let's see, uh, twenty nine points, twelve assists, and eight rebounds, nine of sixteen from the field. Three steals, actually 0 of 5 from the three-point line, but 11 of 11 from the free throw line in 36 minutes. Nikola Jokic uh, showing why he's an MVP candidate even in this loss with 35 points, um, six assists, 12 rebounds, 13 of 26 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, 6 of 6 from, from the line in 39 minutes. Barton, after starting uh, with 20 points from the first half, as mentioned, finished with 24 points. So only had four points in the second half with um, with four assists and a rebound. Also 9 of 16 from the field, like Middleton. Two steals, three of five from the three-point line and three of three from the free throw line in uh, 38 minutes. The uh, couple... Uh, couple stats just to give an overview of the game uh for field goal percentage uh the bucks were above 50 percent at 50.6 whereas the nuggets were down at 43.6 um even though the nuggets did have a ended up with about five more shooting possessions than the bucks uh bucks ended up with uh four four more field goals made the rebounding discrepancy the uh, Bucks ended up with 50 rebounds total, 11 offensive, and then the Nuggets had uh, 38 rebounds uh, and eight offensive rebounds, despite that field goal percentage discrepancy and well, field goal attempt discrepancy. And the fast break points, there's uh, quite a big difference here. Bucks had 18 fast break points to the Nuggets uh, five. So good win here from the Bucks going into the week. I could. Well, as I'll get into, uh, I knew that all of these would be tough matchups. So, so victory against any of these opponents would um, would really be something to to feel good about. Especially as I mentioned, Nikola Jokic is putting up an M- an MVP campaign right now. Um, from what I've heard, it seems it, it seems like there's a 
As far as the narrative is, go- the narrative is going, it seems that there is about a three-man race right now between LeBron James, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic. Um, LeBron might be considered the favorite right now. They all seem to be in quite clearly an equal tier, much above the rest the rest of the pack. But yeah, I'd say I'd say definitively. Um, general consensus is that LeBron would be number one there. Can't say for sure where where the other two would rank. Maybe Nikola Jokic might be third, but still, that's a pretty good company to be in. Nevertheless, I'll move on to the first of the uh, two losses in the three contests of this week that we're going to cover. That was a a very close defeat uh, at the hands of the Suns in Phoenix on ESPN. The Bucks lost one twenty four to one twenty five. Same starters for the Bucks, but the Suns rolled out a. Uh, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, McCall Bridges, Frank Kaminsky for our Wisconsin listeners out there, and DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Kaminsky did uh, knock down uh, some threes in this game, so I don't, I don't mean to poke too much fun at him for the Wisconsin listeners again, but uh, I was particularly shocked because I believe the Sacramento Kings actually had him in training camp, but then waived Kaminsky before he signed. And ended up returning then to the Suns. So, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe uh, Monty Williams, there, the head coach in Phoenix, really, really just adores our uh, University of Wisconsin legend there. Uh, something that Doris Burke, the legend there, noted at the beginning of the game was that uh, on average, defenders are are a whole eight feet away from Giannis. Uh, uh, on average, for his three point attempts, not particularly shocking. Um, as obviously broadcasts tend to really drive the point home and be incredibly redundant in saying that, that oh yeah, of course, like the, the opposition wants Giannis to, t- to take those shots. It's like, well, yeah, of course. Would you, would you rather him be, be in the paint? Like you're not really, you're not really breaking news there. So this is an official uh, call out to broadcasts there that it's getting old. We get it. You'd rather have Giannis take threes than, than be underneath the basket. Um, there was actually another stat sure for the Utah Jazz game to, to support that. But I'll get into it once we get to that. Um, once we get into that second defeat of the week. Oh, my screen's zooming in a little bit here, but you can still see that after the first quarter um, there but, uh, against the Suns, uh, it was pretty competitive right away as there were 10 lead changes and six ties after the after the first quarter. Giannis already had 10 and 5, whereas DeAndre Ayton had 10 points himself. But uh, three rebounds going into the second quarter. Um, the Bucks trotted out DJ Augustine, Bryn Forbes, Pat Connaughton, Giannis, and Bobby Portis to open the second quarter. DJ Augustine, I noticed these past couple of games he might be being a little more aggressive, uh, driving to the rack. Uh, which is, which is uh, definitely an encouraging sign for us. Obviously, he he gives up a lot in 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 height, but from that Orlando series, I remember uh, noticing how much he he used he used his body and getting in front of getting in front of opponents and cre- creating spa- creating space that way by getting them on his hip. I haven't been seeing that as much on the Bucks, but he's definitely a lot less of a focal point on the offense for us. So that's maybe to be expected, but it's nice to see him confident getting to the basket here, especially if his three point shot isn't falling as much. Uh, then, so this uh, contest here on Wednesday, the 10th was actually Bobby Portis's birthday. So I hope you all wish, <laughs> wished Bobby a birthday, wished Bobby a happy birthday as he uh, got himself a birthday steal and slam in transition going coast to coast after the steal. And then he had another. We ha- he had another uh, put back and flex. So ha- happy to see Bobby um, flexing all over the place on his birthday. And uh, officially, happy birthday to Bobby Portis from Nuck If You Buck. Bucks close the second quarter then with a uh, with Dante, Bryn, Pat, Giannis, and Brooke. So. Um, yeah, by halfway point, Giannis and Bryn would each have 17 points. This is the contest where Bryn Forbes really um, was on fire with five five or six shooting from three. Definitely filling in his role. 
as we like to see in the absence of Drew Holiday. Chris and Bobby each had 10 at half and the Giannis and the the Giannis's. The Bucks had a pretty comfortable lead at half, uh, 12 points with uh, 71 to 5. Um, obviously, like I just mentioned behind 17 points from Giannis and uh, and uh, Bryn Forbes really shown that he's got that he's got that clip. Um, but Devin Booker was heating up with uh, 14 at half to close and then uh, eight had a few more points for himself in the second quarter after starting out with 10 points. So with behind those two young stars, the Suns kept it relatively close. At half, uh, the Bucks had the three-point shooting advantage of 13 of 24 shooting from beyond the arc to the Suns' six of 15. Bucks also only had two turnovers to the Suns' seven, and the Bucks led in fast break points, uh, 10 to three against the Suns. However, to start the third quarter, the Suns would go on a 16 to eight run. Chris Paul had had eight points himself just uh, early in the third quarter. Um, after a three that he knocked down around a, around a DeAndre Aiden screen that uh, that Dante just couldn't quite couldn't quite get over or around that led to a bud timeout. Um, then again, out of, out of the timeout at some point, Chris would toss up another lob to Giannis uh, with uh, Chris uh, getting all the way into the paint this time to find Giannis uh, right there himself underneath the basket for the easy slam. Portis would, uh, would commit a hard foul on Crowder hitting him in the head, clearly inadvertent. I didn't actually notice if there was a flagrant foul here. I'm not sure what what uh, was distracting me at the time, or if it was just the late late game and drowsiness getting to me. But I didn't see that um, that there was a flagrant foul out of this. I could definitely see where that would come in, giving the flagrant foul criteria basically anything to the head um, is sufficient evidence there to earn a flagrant foul, regardless of intent, as I've discussed here before. At the end of the third quarter, Giannis would uh, would post uh, 14 points himself just in that quarter as the Bucks would open up the next quarter, the final quarter, the fourth, with DJ Augustine, Bryn Forbes, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Bobby Portis. The Suns would then trot out um, an, except, an exceptional three-point shooting lineup of uh, Chris, Por- Chris Paul, Etwan Moore, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, Frank Kaminsky. That lineup would would uh, shoot three of three from threes early in the fourth quarter, leading to another bud timeout. Um, before before that timeout, Giannis or no, not just Giannis, but the Suns blocked the Bucks twice in the paint, once on Giannis, which led, of course, to a frustration foul um, on Giannis trying to reach on Chris Paul. <laughs> just uh. Speaking of which, another uh, frustration point for myself as well as you can pretty much, you can pretty much uh, cue it up right there. If ever there's, if ever there's a play where Giannis is particularly embarrassed by, he's probably going to commit a silly foul in transition. From the three minute mark to the to the ten minute mark in the, pardon me, three minute mark in the third quarter to the ten minute mark in the. Fourth quarter, so that five-minute swing there, the Buck, the Suns would go on a twenty-to-two run. Then afterwards, uh, later in the fourth quarter, Booker would hit a couple baskets in Chris's face. That um, around that same time, in between those two baskets, Chris would miss two free throws in a row. Very rare for our uh, 50, 50, 40, 90 uh, candidate here, doing it for the second season in a row, but. Later in the fourth quarter, the Bucks really had a showed a heightened sense of urgency, which we like to see, where Dante had a clutch steal leading to a a huge Chris corner three to um, give himself redemption for his defense on Booker. The two the two consecutive missed free throws, and also I didn't mention that Chris lost the ball out of bounds to Crowder after it looked like Crowder had kicked the ball out of bounds, but according to Video and replay evidence, it wasn't particularly conclusive whether or not Chris hit the ball after Crowder had kicked it. Um, so since that wasn't conclusive, they didn't they didn't reverse the call on the floor, which was that it was out on Chris Middleton. This is particularly confusing to me 
going back to this point here because, you know, I'm not an NBA referee. Maybe I'm not as keen on the rules as I should be or as much as others and other analysts, but I think I think that if if the replay evidence shows that Jake Crowder kicked the ball before it went out of bounds, that that referees could still call it a kick ball, which would then I would think give possession to the Bucks before it went out of bounds, regardless of who knocked it out. But hey, I'm not an NBA referee. Maybe I need to read up on those rules. But back to these uh, clutch possessions here, which um, as I was referring to the the clutch Dante steal. The huge uh, Chris Middleton redemption three. And then on the next way down, Giannis would have another slam off of a pick and roll, which would cap a, a late Bucks 8-0 run. Uh, but then Booker again, just going at Chris Middleton, hits him with a shake, shake and bake, and then gets to the line. Um, getting past Chris Middleton there with ease. And then um, and then a Bucks defender was forced to foul him in the paint. Booker uh, surprisingly actually actually misses his second free throw attempt here. Um, but then on the next offensive possession, uh, Jay Crowder would actually rip the chair out from under Giannis, um, forcing him to fall to the ground. And uh, I don't know if they ended up calling calling it a travel after he had fallen on the ground or if he had turned it over else, else um, some other way, but... Um, yeah, it was a Giannis turnover there, but then the Bucks would go on to to get the rebound and then uh, call a timeout. Bud did there, which le- which leads us finally uh, after all that coverage to um, the game potential game winning shot for Giannis, in in which he uh, with around um, two or three seconds left, Giannis is able to catch it from beyond the three point line. Uh, get all the way to to about the elbow and pull up for a for a two point jumper that he misses, um, which is definitely not the result we wanted, obviously. Um, but you know it's hard to to fault the thinking there, uh, considering that considering the line that Giannis had put up in this game, he put up forty seven five forty seven points, five assists, and eleven rebounds. 15 of 23 shooting, 17 of 21 from the line in 37 minutes. So even if uh, Chris Middleton might be might be our better shot maker in this instance, uh, I think Giannis Giannis getting getting a shot at the elbow with the game on the line after his performance, uh, you know, isn't something to to get too worked up about. This also this game also made Giannis the third player to record a, a 40 point. Uh, 10 rebound, 5 assist game in the season. I have a hunch hunch that uh one of the two other players might be uh might be a familiar foe in Nikola Jokic, but yeah. Certainly a game or maybe even even a last possession or last possession that the Bucks would like to have back, but but you know, it's just the way the cookie crumbles here. Uh, I'd like to take a break from some of these recaps to um uh, Share a message from our sponsor here. That is, of course, Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about top-tier athletes in your respective sport. So if you're like me, maybe a little obsessive about one sport, but still interested in others, maybe a casual in other respects like I am for the NFL, you only have to choose five uh out of 10 player prop options to build your lineup. So hopefully if you're if you are casual in in one regard, if you if you can at least call yourself that if nothing else, um ho- hopefully hopefully you can recall at least uh at least 10 NFL or MLB players uh to take advantage of this opportunity. Of course, each prop has a fantasy point total associated with an over/under based on likelihood it'll occur. It will occur. Uh, the more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Naturally, you want to rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool, which uh, Thrive Fantasy has awarded over 2.2 million dollars in prizes since launching in 2018. They had. Uh, 50,000 guaranteed for NFL Week 15 and uh, thousands 
more um, since the return of the NBA season. You may use promo code Giannis, that's G-I-A-N-N-I-S, when you sign up today, and you'll receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Sport, Play Store, <laughs> or visit uh, their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Jeez, I cannot talk today, but we're getting back to the Bucks action here. Uh, this time I'm going to break down uh, Bucks at uh, at Utah against the Jazz. Right now, not only uh, the best record in the NBA, but now after their victory against the Bucks, uh, Bucks lost 115 to 129 here. This is the best start in Utah Jazz history. Um, Going into the game, they were tied with, of course, uh, Stockton Malone, Stockton Malone uh, era. Uh, I believe they were. Um, they, I think they were twenty. Hmm. They were either twenty or twenty-one and five. Regardless, a very impressive start here for the Utah Jazz. Now having a franchise record above that of uh, the historic duo that they had in Stockton alone. Moving on here, the Bucks had the same starters as they had the past two games, whereas the Jazz started Mitchell, Ingles, O'Neal, Bogdanovich, and Gobert. You may notice there Mike Conley's missing from the starting lineup, which I thought was particularly um, good for the Bucks odds. But, of course, we are, we are also out Drew Holiday, so maybe a more equal playing field. Something also of note here is that the Utah Jazz, this, this really, this really uh, remarkable, remarkable uh, resurgence here uh, began after the first victory they had against the Bucks uh, early in January, where they were, they started out four and four going into first game against the Bucks about a month ago, and then have been sixteen and one since. So I guess that that answers my question. Uh, to myself at the beginning of this review here. The Jazz were uh, 20 of 5 going into this and then 21 of 5 after um, defeating the Bucks for the franchise record. Since that point in early January, the Jazz have had the number one offensive rating and point differential. Um, we all know the Bucks had held on to the, the best offensive rating in the league for some time now. So not sure uh, how much that that um, that enormous Miami Heat and uh, and Warriors victories from the beginning of the year is still uh, skewing our offensive rating for the better, and how that compares to the Jazz at this point. But yeah, Jazz best offensive rating and point differential since their first contest a month ago against the Bucks. In that Bucks defeat, the Jazz made 25 threes against us, which is the most the Bucks have allowed in uh, Bucks history. More encouraging, however, for the Bucks. Um, kind of touching back to that point that I had made with Doris Burke, the legend, sharing that uh, defenders are eight feet away from Giannis on average from the three-point line, but and to all the commentators who every single game love to mention that, of course, you'll live with Giannis taking those shots and you want him taking those shots as opposed to being in the paint. Well, that definitely makes sense as he, Giannis going into this going into this last game, led the NBA with um, 181 field goals made in the restricting area at um, a 72% clip. Um now getting into the action, Joe Ingles started the game 4-4 four four from 3, and Jordan Clarkson had uh, 9 points in 7 minutes coming off the bench in the first quarter. And uh, to make matters worse for the Bucks, Rudy Gobert uh, posted the most vicious poster I have ever seen on Giannis. So um, I know on this podcast before I maybe have, have come out, I don't know, I hope I haven't, it hasn't come off this way <laughs> as I as I may be eating crow right now. But I've touched upon how how fond I've been in some of my favorite moments 
for the Milwaukee Bucks in recent history was was Giannis's performances against Rudy Gobert and particularly his highlights uh, dunking on Gobert. Reason I point to those to point to those so much is, um, you know, now I kind of view it as sort of respect to Rudy Gobert. Where whereas if I get so excited about Giannis doing something that really Giannis does all the time and and postering opponents, I think for me to me and others to focus so much when he does it on Rudy Gobert speaks speaks to um, speaks to Rudy Gobert's strength as a rim protector for us to. To get so particularly excited when Giannis does Giannis things on Rudy Gobert. However, in this case, the uh, the uh, turntables have turned. Uh, Rudy Gobert just obliterating Giannis. Good on Giannis for going up up for the contest. Um, but yeah, not looking good in in the first quarter there for the Bucks. In the uh, in the second quarter, Rudy Gobert would make a couple more layups over Giannis, but then. Uh, Giannis would then swat Rudy Gobert. I think this is after um, something happened where Gobert went down after uh, after Giannis contest. I don't know if Rudy got knocked in the head or maybe poked in the eye. It seemed like something like that where he was on the ground, but then he got right back up after. Um, but then Giannis would swat him uh, at that point too. Um, Jordan Clarkson, of course, continuing his success after the nine points and seven minutes in the first quarter, he's particularly really getting in, getting into the body of, of larger defenders and then finishing with touch. He would, if he, if he was driving right, I noticed a couple of times once on Giannis uh, again, maybe on Chris, he would, he would drive to the right. And then um, in his last step loading up to the bucket, he would, he would plant his, he'd plant his left foot deep in, in the defender's grill and then kind of, Kind of push off off of them, putting his shoulder into him, and then uh, using that left left foot to to create space between him and a larger defender. So he did that twice: once on Giannis, again maybe on Chris. So good on Clarkson there. I know I had talked with uh, Mark Schindler of Indy Cornrows about getting uh, Jordan Clarkson or a Jordan Clarkson esque uh, free agent for the Milwaukee Bucks to kind of. Bring, bring in a little bit more of a dynamic offense. Uh, the Bucks definitely lacked in that Miami Heat series. Um, I got to tell you, after this game, I think it would have definitely been nice to have Jordan Clarkson on our side. But uh, heck, if the choice is between Jordan Clarkson and Drew Holiday, I'm still picking Drew, Drew Holiday uh, seven days of the week. Nevertheless, uh, halfway through the second quarter, Bobby Porras would actually be leading the way for the Bucks with 10 points in eight minutes. And then uh, by halftime, we have another um, 20 point half, just like we saw before earlier in the week with Will Barton. Um, Joe Ingles would tie his would tie his career high first half points with 20. And then Brooke Lopez by halftime would have 13 points himself. So happy to see Brooke here contributing when he seems to recognize when the Bucks need it most. We saw this against the Heat when uh, when some of our, our other usual suspects aren't quite performing as they normally would. Uh, cough, cough, Giannis. Uh, Brooks shows that he can still score, score in a variety of fashions. Of course, spacing the floor, knocking down corner threes in particular, and definitely tossing up some trailing threes. He's uh, shown up a little late to the party, but but um, I'm sure no, no, nobody forgets that all-star Brooke Lopez earlier this last decade was... Uh, was best known for for getting into the paint and, and sc- scoring there with some uh, post hooks and footwork. So, um, him pulling out his bag a little bit there helped uh, the Bucks. Mm, not quite a respectable uh, first half deficit there, but um, as close as possible there. Uh, Brooke kept it with his thirteen points. Giannis, however, uh, going into halftime had only two points. And had a negative 17 plus minus, which was uh, shockingly uh, the same exact stat that was in game one a month ago between the Utah Jazz and the Bucks. So both contests this year, Giannis started with only two points and with a minus 17 plus minus. However, in the second half of that first um, Jazz Bucks contest a month ago, Giannis had 28 points on 10 of 15 shooting in that second half game. So. Um, 
definitely uh, not out of the realm of possibilities here, and that's what we were hoping for. Um, so yeah, 52-69, Jazz a half. Now in the third quarter here, you may notice some of my notes drop off a bit, and that is not at all related to the deficit here. But however, I get a FaceTime from my brother Drew, and that he and... Uh, Shoot, I don't know if I can call her sis, but uh, my wonderful sis, Nat, had uh, become engaged. So congrats to you two out there together for about uh, four and a half years. I was uh, touching base with them around this time. Wasn't sure. Kind of right around, you guys had might be able to recall from earlier, I said last time we had one against the Nuggets was uh, November 2015 there um, when... Uh, Greg Monroe put up 18 points for the Bucks, so uh, <laughs> I guess to uh, put this back in Bucks context, uh, when, when these two crazy cats got together, uh, Greg Monroe was still putting up buckets for the for the Milwaukee Bucks around that same time in uh, summer of 2016. Um, and yeah, obviously Drew's been on the podcast, and I've mentioned a bunch bunch how much he's helped me with this podcast alone. But obviously, among among other things things in life and uh i mean he's my gd brother so love him love you too nat glad you guys are uh taking the next steps here i suppose you two deserve the most happiness possible i suppose whatever people say when people get engaged happy for you both love you both getting back to the basketball here uh the bucks would close the third quarter on a 13 to six run um, in honor of our two lovebirds to open up with the fourth quarter. Uh, the Bucks trotted out uh, DJ Augustine, Pat Connaughton, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Bobby Portis. Um, opening that fourth quarter, Giannis would have a couple uh, slams there on the left block, getting past a uh, getting past a uh, Royce O'Neal, um, and then. Um, something of note too, I'd mentioned in that last Suns game, uh, Jay Crowder had pulled the chair out from under Giannis and that had happened again at some point in this fourth quarter, a little later on, uh, after these, uh, these two Giannis slams that did end up being a couple, uh, couple, uh, Rudy Gobert business decisions. I must note that after, uh, after all the press, rightfully so with, uh, Rudy getting the better of Giannis there and earlier in the contest when, it's remarkable how Giannis was able to to still still land on his feet after that poster. But uh, due to the, due to those business decisions in the fourth quarter, uh, Giannis wasn't able to quite get back at Rudy Gobert. But at the same time, the Jazz still had a pretty comfortable lead. So I think uh, I think they could live with uh, not risking sending Giannis to the line, just letting him uh, letting him slam, slam it home once he gets to the once he gets to the dunker spot there twice in a row. I also noted that uh, at all throughout the game, Bogdanovich had had really been taking advantage of, of all the mismatch, mismatches that uh, were presented to him all throughout this game, just really backing down smaller opponents like a DJ Augustine or a Bryn Forbes. Um so yeah, the the Jazz really were firing on all cylinders throughout this entire game. By the end of it, four Jazz players posted twenty five or more points, and uh, and after this contest, of course, they had that franchise record already twenty one and twenty one wins, five losses, and then the next night they actually also went on to win on uh, the second game of a back to back against the Miami Heat. So are now twenty two and five as of recording of this podcast. After that uh, Bucks Jazz game, though, Giannis finished with uh, with twenty nine points, six assists, fifteen rebounds, 12, 12 of twenty uh, from the field, two steals, two blocks in thirty eight minutes. So, just like I had pointed to before, uh, remarkable similarities between Game One and Game Two of this season of uh, Bucks Jazz. Uh, Giannis instead of twenty eight second half points, uh, he had twenty seven. In this instance, he definitely had a couple late dunks in there, as we had pointed to in the previous contest, to but uh, Giannis not letting off a 
letting off the gas until whistle blows and uh, either game ends or Bud calls him out. Brooke finished with uh, 23 points, 6 rebounds, 8 of 18 shooting from the field, 3 of 9 from 3 and 2 blocks in 26 minutes. Um, and then just another stat there that I thought was notable was the Bucks finished uh, 45.7 from the field to the Jazz, uh, 52.4, although the Bucks had 10 more uh, field goal attempts there than than the Jazz. Jazz would would finish with uh, one more field goal made. So that shows the the field goal uh, shooting discrepancies. I just also wanted to note here before uh, wrapping wrapping up this episode of Nook If You Buck that uh, I don't know. I definitely would be remiss if I didn't give sufficient praise here to the Utah Jazz. Obviously, they have the best record in the NBA right now, but. Um, I mean, this was this was just a beautiful game game to watch, despite the disappointment on the Bucks end here. I mean, the ball the ball movement uh, that this that this team displays is just out of this world right now. Some some of the best highlights to watch are are that of Utah Jazz games. Uh, some of the some of the clips I had watched this week leading up to the game were. Uh, one was uh, first one was Mike Conley on JJ Reddick's podcast, where JJ was was reflecting on recently playing the Jazz themselves, the Pelicans, also giving giving praise where it's due to the Utah Jazz. JJ saying that that to even have a chance chance against against the Utah Jazz, you really have to have like five perfect closeouts in a row, and then you still may not be successful. And that's another testament to their ball movement and um, just. How many playmakers they have, they have up and down the roster. And then I'll get to another point here in um, Kevin O'Connor. He does these YouTube videos solo without Chris Vernon highlighting particular points throughout the season. At this point, he was questioning whether or not the Utah Jazz were championship contenders or Western Conference contenders in that um, just... Obviously, the ball movement, and then, and then, um, of course, the spacing that allows that ball movement uh, on that Jazz roster is remarkable. Of course, I mean, to have to have Mike to have Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell backcourt for for two two playmakers, and then Joe Ingles, and then returning um, after missing the bubble, Bogdan Bogdanovich. So having two other similar molds at the forward spot and. Like having two two Joe Ingles or two Bogdan Bogdanovich, two similar players, of course, who can all shoot the ball and and also pass it, and then right in the middle of the floor you have Rudy Gobert as well, who to have someone larger, definitely larger than Giannis in the middle of the paint to set picks for you, roll to the basket, and then basically. The defender on the weak side there covering covering the corner three-point shooter basically has to make a decision as to um, whether or not to help on Rudy Gobert, which is completely necessary uh, after after a pick and roll, um, whether to help on Rudy Gobert or to cover your three-point shooter. Um, it's quite a conundrum for the defense to be in because Rudy Gobert can, can obviously easily finish once he gets underneath the basket pretty much bigger than... Uh, any opponent that he'll see in the league. But Rudy Gobert has also improved his passing that Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer has noted um, in being able to kick it out to those three-point shooters if um, if the help does come early. So it's really kind of a pick-your-poison kind of approach to the Utah Jazz uh, here as they're, they're surrounded by three-point shooters and... Uh, but then also have the big man in the middle there, and they're definitely not giving giving uh, much at all up on the defensive end, having Rudy there in the paint. Um, I forget who had this quote, so forgive me, but someone was mentioning, you know, kind of reviewing the player that Rudy Gobert is, and someone said that that the most accurate depiction of Rudy Gobert is not that he is that he is really. Um, he's obviously a rim, protect, rim protector, but more than that, he's also a paint protector because he really stops. Um, those may sound synonymous, but the point I'm trying to make is that that not only does he does he block shots at the rim, but he stops 
his opponents just as well from even even wanting to to get into the paint and try to knock down shots in a row. So, so yeah, really, um, really a pick your poison kind of approach when you face the Utah Jazz. Um, sort of a you know a, a discouraging damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of kind of thoughts that go through your mind when you're facing this team. But you know, as someone who is a former uh. You know, when I was more so of a general NBA fan, always was a Bucks fan first. But when I when I focus more on just the rest of the M- the NBA as well, I former formerly considered the Utah Jazz my Western Conference team. So I'm not disappointed to see them succeeding over other Western Conference foes. And definitely wish the Bucks could have could have pulled it out here. Um, but I'll leave you all with with one. With one last stat here, the Jazz now have won 18 of the last 19 games. Last time that was done was um, was by the Milwaukee Bucks in the 2018-2019 season, the first of their two consecutive 60-win uh, seasons. So, yeah, maybe that's uh, partially another reason why I'm not too worked up about this Utah Jazz team is, is that I see a lot. I see a lot of the the uh, the early Bucks. I guess similar iteration here. Uh, you see a lot of the Bucks and the Utah Jazz here with the uh, with the regular season success. Maybe they'll be able to translate to the playoffs, but there are definitely still their doubters out there. Uh, regardless, it's still uh, it's still Bucks and six for the culture. And with that, I'll see you in another life, brother. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod, but aren't sure where to start. The team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.